0: Log Talk Radio. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States, I will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God.
1: Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana, to join the conversation. It is area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. If you want to join us in the live chat, just go to the episode page on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. You can sign in with your free Blog Talk Radio account. And join us at the bottom of the page. And if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. over on the show thread at liberaldan.com, on Facebook.com/liberaldan, or at Liberal Dan radio on Twitter. Uh, get to the topics of uh, HR one and more in a second. But first, this week's headlines in COVID-19 news: Lockdowns are starting again in Europe, or, and the mass spreading is happening again including lockdowns in Italy, one of the first to lock down last year. I guess the changes made by the Vatican this Wednesday were not enough. Here in America, Texas, and many other states are still choosing to reopen, despite the warnings of health officials. That should go over well. Trolls are starting for children to test the efficacy of the vaccine in children for COVID-19. Unfortunately, the Republicans who oppose the vaccine don't count as children for these purposes. In sedition news, new footage has been released of the so-called Q&A showing Mr. Chancellor lied when he said he claimed the police let him into the Capitol. The cucumber has been denied bond because the judge believes him too dangerous to be left out. Qbert can't hop away from his responsibility, especially when former President Trump wouldn't pardon him during the end of his tenure, something Chancellor is very upset about. In the Senate, the Democrats are discussing the possibilities of eliminating the filibuster. Or at least changing it to require someone to literally stand in a filibuster to block the legislation instead of the weak-sauce filibuster that exists today. In related news, this week's Hypocrite of the Week is again Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said, Nobody serving in this chamber can even begin to imagine what a completely scorched-earth Senate would look like. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell wasn't worried about scorched earth when Trump was pushing through Supreme Court nominees. To see who next week's hypocrite of the week will be, tune in to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash Dan. In sports news, sports legend and real GOAT Drew Brees announced his retirement, leaving New Orleans without a known starting quarterback. Fake GOAT? Tom Brady continues in Tom Brady. Non-GOAT Matt Ryan is also still in Atlanta. And finally, in Atlanta, a suspect shot up several Asian-run massage parlors. The suspect is in custody, but let's be clear here. We won't have all the facts, facts yet, but I believe that when all of this is said and done, was, this will be shown to be a racially motivated attack because one man refused to stop describing the virus in bigoted ways. And that's this week's headlines. Now. I was having a good time, a good chuckle earlier today, as I was putting together some of the audio for the show, specifically the audio for the hypocrite of the week. Uh, and because as I was watching the CNN ad or CNN, I'm sorry, video on YouTube that showed Mitch McConnell giving his, giving his speech about the the uh, filibuster and how it's a uh, charred earth or however he said, uh solution will lead to more, uh, People blocking or not lush and blah, blah, blah. And there was a set of commercials that was – let me just let you hear the beginning of the commercials. the Mitch McConnell talking for a second and then about the scorched earth, and then we'll, we'll see how it goes. It might damage the institution, but then nothing would stand between them and their entire agenda, a new era of fast-track policymaking. Did you know that the average adult has five to 20 pounds of toxic poop in their body at any given moment? Yes. During the entire video, that message came across at least five times that every uh, adult has five to 10 pounds of toxic poop all while, ta- while Mitch McConnell was talking. Now, here's what I want to know. Is this just random dumb luck that this one specific ad played constantly during the CNN Uh this video with Mitch McConnell talking or did this company specifically target Mitch McConnell videos with five to 10 pounds of toxic poop? That's (laughs) I, when when I heard, I just died. And there there was one that wasn't talking about poop. It was talking about the size of, of, of a personal part that's typically not the the personal part you worry about size of. I don't know. It was weird. Let's just put it that way. Um, but, anyway, the, uh, yeah, so, I don't know, maybe I should start a, a hashtag, five to ten pounds of toxic poop whenever talking about Mitch McConnell. Or, the next time he's super of the week, uh, I should just say, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, or Senate Minority Leader and five to ten pounds of toxic poop Mitch McConnell. Uh, yeah, <laughs> anyway. That is that. So let's go ahead and take our first commercial break. And where is it? There it is. Go ahead. And take the first commercial break. Take your calls as well. 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Alright, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say. Sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. Because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio Minicast. Talk from the left, that's
2: right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah.
3: Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh Catch you on the team. If
1: you enjoy Liberal Dan radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel, you can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor Bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Deminox, host of the world according to Knox. It's time for season two where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat and find me on Twitter by the handle xdeminox. The letter x like x-men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC Insured Bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get one hundred entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's yott taliberaldancom And welcome back to Liberal Dane Radio Talk from the Left. That's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana, to join the conversation. It's area code 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. And your host always keeps forgetting to change the order of the commercials in the in the uh, commercial block because I wanted to end with Deminox before going back into the bumper music and, well... I keep forgetting to do it. One of these days, I will remember to do it, and I'll be happy that I did. I even thought about it sometime this week and still forgot to do it. Lol. Anyway, so at the end of the after, usually after the first commercial break, we hit the next bit. So here we go.
3: And now, words of redneck wisdom. Brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. When I say COVID nineteen vaccination. Vaccine. Adam, what do you think of first?
2: Um
1: A miracle, albeit suspicious.
3: Lauren. I'm sure too many questions. Patrick.
2: Rushed.
3: God from California. Experimental. Aaron.
2: Ask but hesitant.
3: Marie. Gary, not knowing the long-term side effects. Chad. Long-term side effects, unknown. Matthew. Experimental and unknown, how it will affect long-term. David from Texas.
2: Long-term
3: side effects. Uh, Diane from Ohio. Unproven.
0: Lisa. Uh,
2: efficacy unknown.
0: Michael from Oklahoma. Don't hold my freedom hostage. And this concludes Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan
1: Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Can you figure out which one of those really got me saying that this was going to be my words of redneck wisdom? Uh, the guy from Oklahoma, don't hold my freedom hostage. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. All right, so a little bit of context here on that audio. We had uh, Frank Luntz, a conservative pollster, uh, did a Zoom. I guess it was a Zoom. It might have been some, other. but anyway, you know what I mean. You know, the, the Zoom has entered the parlance as to as to be any video chat. Um fortunately has moved away from Skype, which is good, because Skype's garbage. Um, but he, uh, so he was having questions. It was a question and answer period with a group of conservatives who were unsure about whether or not they would get the COVID-19 uh, vaccine or not. Interestingly enough, I think there was a, a significant number of people, maybe about I think it was maybe twenty people that that was part that were that were asked being asked questions and getting their opinions on this uh, on on this subject and I think a good chunk of them already had COVID which is not very surprising at all. Um, So and you had your typical run of the mill like you know some of the people seemed to have more sense than others some of the people were more like hyper conspiracy theory versus just the the standard "I don't trust science" type folks that were there, uh, but then Frank Luntz would bring on like different people, and so you had like um, in the minority leader in the House, uh, whatever, what? Uh, forgetting his name, McCarthy. Um, Kevin McCarthy had him there. He was saying some bizarre, wacko stuff about his beliefs, and on um, you know, he said that. He said that he believed that COVID-19 cost him the election. And I thought this is going to be a moment where McCarthy was, like, it's going to say something true and, like, factual when it came to, like, you know, why COVID-19, because it's true. I'm COVID-19 cost him the election, but the way he explained it, oh, no. He's just way out of left field, like – You could be right about something, but for all the wrong reasons, and that was it. Uh, Then, then he had a doctor on, and the doctor, you know, you had the doctor on, and then the doctor was telling telling some information, and then you had another person who I think also was a doctor and a congressman and a member of the National Guard, and he was like on the weekends he dresses up. I'm that is a bad word. That is not the correct hey, bringing it boy is in the chat. Welcome to the chat, bringing it boy. Um, So the congressman would put on his uniform, because dress up is wrong, because he legitimately is a member of the National Guard. Dress up implies that he was pretending. He's not pretending, it's legitimate, so I want to show respect for people serving in the military. So let me, uh, I I will admit when I say things badly or poorly or whatever. Um, But the uh i love your rolling stones uh face instead of the other one that you're using or the lips or whatever um anyway so what do you call two calips? uh what, mcdonald's is coming out with two burgers two calips on a bun it's called a Mick Jagger. anyway so he was i think he is the one in the in that chat he was the expert in the group that basically said that Uh, he will go and he'll give distribute the vaccines to individuals and, and he'll, you know, people will have, will have much more trust in him when he's wearing his, you know, national guard outfit, giving the vaccines. Then they will, whenever he wears his like congressional pin. And, you know, everybody kind of laughed at that, but I think he was the one said that of all of the people in the study for the particular vaccine that you had, um, that that of all like of all the people that got COVID. Like I think it was like that's how you get the ninety five percent rate. All the people that got COVID, like mo- all of them were the ones who got the placebo or most of the ones like, that got the placebo, like maybe five didn't have the placebo, like thirty something five had the placebo, like maybe thirty you know, something had the placebo more than that, and then five did it. I forget the exact numbers, but it was a very low amount of people that actually got covid and now i think i also i don't know if it's him or the other doctor that also said that of all the people that got the vaccine uh nobody died like nobody went to the hospital and died so i don't think anybody was hospitalized who had the vaccine they still might have got tested positive for covid but they were not hospitalized with it and and when when the experts came on to talk about that there were a few in this group That seemed to say, "I'll change my mind about it." Like you know, maybe maybe if 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 that if I heard that from you know other other people, that would convince me to get the vaccine more than it would you know a politician telling me to do so. Like Joe Biden's. I, I think here's the thing. Like one of the I think the big differences between conservatives and liberals is is like if Donald Trump earlier on in the in the whole pandemic would have said, everybody please wear your masks. masks up. That wouldn't have made me then go, well, if Donald Trump's saying to mask up, then I'm not gonna do it because Donald Trump must be doing it for nefarious reasons. No, that's not what I would do. I'd be like, good. It's good that Donald Trump is telling people to mask up. It's it's, it's showing that he's being responsible, which he wasn't. It took him a while to drag dragging his feet to encourage masking. At the beginning, he was like, I think I would look ridiculous behind the Resolute Desk. Um, So anyway, so you had, but you had these people who basically seem to say, like if if, if experts would say, I had a conversation about this with somebody on Facebook too, where this individual uh, was, was questioning the whole children being put into the trial to see about how, you know, it being having efficacy to help children be less likely to, to suffer the consequences of COVID-19, and this person seemed to be opposed to it. And you know, we had a, a decent back and forth. I had a couple of good zingers in there because uh, because she was criticizing people who would take who would get money to send their kids to go get vaccinated. And I was like, what? You want people to send their kids to get vaccinated or to be a part of the trial for free? What are you, some side are sort of socialist? And that got a good chuckle out of some people. And then she was like, "No, I, I just, you know, I, I don't think it's it's safe to get kids or have kids participate in a vaccine trial." I'm like, "Yeah, but you know, you, you do you send your kids back to school?" She said, "Yeah." I'm like, "Well, why do you think it's safe to send your kids back to school? There's there's no evidence that it's proven to be safe." Um, and I think we're in phase th- phase three trials of this vaccine anyway. So because they're in phase three trials of this vaccine, I think we've already gone through the safety issues of it. Now it's about the efficacy of it. So is that. Um, anyway, you, you have you had, you had some of these conservatives in this Frank Lutz group, focus group, and it's on YouTube. If you just search Frank Lutz uh, COVID vaccine focus group or whatever, you'll and like within the last, uploaded this week. That was the main thing. In order for me to find it, I had to go upload it this week because I was getting other Frank Lutz videos before that one. So, but once I filtered it down to upload it this week, that's how I found it. And so, you had some people who seem to be able to be swayed. uh, If a doctor said, they're like, well, well, I heard that. That's what the message I got. I I might be less likely to oppose getting the vaccine. Um, And then other people, were more receptive to, um, you know, well, they're like, well, I like to travel. So if I was told that I needed to have a, on, on my digital passport uh, that I got the vaccine, that I was fully vaccinated, then I would then get the vaccine. I would cave and get the vaccine because my leisure uh, would, my, my wants to have leisure time would trump the, 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 the frightfulness that they have about the vaccine. Then you had others that were just like, I wouldn't believe it. I'm not going to take it. Or people who were being just, even with the doctors saying that. And of course they brought up Dr. Fauci and everyone's like, oh, I don't trust Dr. Fauci. Blah, blah, blah. He flip-flop. And of course that's not how science works. You know, Dr. Fauci saying, don't wear a mask from the start. And then, at the, and then later on saying, well, maybe you should wear a mask. It's not him flip-flopping. It's him showing accurate, you know, getting data and changing his opinions based off of new data. And that's, that's how science works. Can't, can't change that. But again, these are the people that just don't understand science. So but I do want to, you know, let's intro the main topic and then we'll come back and and we'll, we'll, we'll do the just money minute after the break, but let's intro the main topic first. So last week, uh, we had a caller, and I asked the caller to call in again this week. I hope you're at least listening. Uh, again, I think it was Mike or Matt. I think it was Missouri, or was it Michigan? Or Vermont. one of the M states, not Maryland. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm forgetting. Uh, and I said, "Look, I wanted you to call back in because because I was talking about specifically the Iowa voter." Uh, rules that they changed. And we were going through each of the things of uh, Iowa. Um, and and Demonox called in, too, and he was doing a really good job of countering the points that I wasn't countering, um, because he was kind of pointing out the whole, well, you're just changing the topic of conversation right now. Or this is the thing where you know, people would say that certain things are the exceptions but not the rule, uh, like the people who might not be able to afford an ID. That's an exception, not the rule. Well, as Deminox pointed out, voter fraud is the exception, not the rule. Uh, so we're going to so, – so then he brought up H.R. 1. And I haven't read through every little look and cranny of it since, but I did do a scan through uh, this week, and I do have it open in front of me. But the point is that you know we wanted to talk about what's going on in H.R. 1 and, and whether or not there are things that in H.R. 1 that are that are good for voters, bad for voters – Is it going to enable voter fraud like some conservatives are trying to say? Or is all that a bunch of sky is falling, falling chicken little chasing windmills crap uh, that, that we're used to, I guess, from conservatives trying to put poison pills in everything. And it's, it's pretty long. And we're going to go through a good bit of it, you know, at least scanning through the text um, saying, okay. um, You know, You have have sections on voting, you have election access, you have ethical standards, campaign finance oversight, effective date, general elections, primary elections, and presidential elections. You have the My Voice voucher pilot program, campaign finance empowerment, secret money transfer, a whole bunch of those that, that we're going to be talking about. I think I'm mostly going to be focusing on the parts that have to do with the election security um, and and how we're gonna you know make sure that the elections are secure. And here's the thing, is that you can't have a secure election. You're not protecting election security if by if you're stopping legitimate voters from voting. Your election is not protected. You, you do not have valid elections if you prevent legitimate. Vote From casting ballots. That's as simple as that. You know, how many people are you stopping from, you know, nobody who should be, nobody who shouldn't vote should be allowed to vote. You, You should absolutely stop it. Now, the thing is, is that in reality, when it comes down to it, most people are not going to want to take an action that you know, is going to have such a positive, possible negative impact on their lives, i.e., getting convicted of election fraud or electioneering or whatever. Election, you know, getting 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 convicted of, of committing an act, a criminal act in regards to an election, versus casting a legal ballot or more than one any illegal ballot or more than one illegal ballots in order to try and sway an election. Cost-benefit analysis says that it's unlikely to happen. Now there are cases of election fraud. I have a friend of mine who brought up an election that took place in the 70s in uh, St. Bernard Parish of Louisiana. Uh, he was working on one of the campaigns that, uh, and he didn't believe that justice was done in, in the end of it because they did rule that the number of un, ineligible cast ballots, the one the ballots that should not have been cast or that could not be you know, properly identified as being a legitimate ballot, was greater than the difference between the two candidates that were running, or at least the top two. I think it was a runoff in a primary election. So the judge ordered a new election. Now, according to my friend, I think what my friend wanted to say or believe that what should have happened is because it was shown that the other side cheated, that they should have then been forced to a forfeit because that, well, that proves of these 600. If, if the difference was 600 and you had 700 illegally cast ballots, then you should give, them, give the election to the other person. And I disagree with that wholeheartedly, because even though you might think that all those 600 votes were illegally cast, you don't know. Maybe the other person cast illegal ballots and they didn't get caught. But of the 600 votes that couldn't be verified, you know, there was, or 700 votes that couldn't be verified, whatever it is, it was more than the difference of the election. So the only result was to then call a new election, because you didn't know who those people cast ballots for. Did they cast ballots for one or the other candidates? You don't know. You can't know. All you know is the fact that these people voted and they shouldn't have voted. And they they convicted the people, I believe, of, of the crimes of, of violating an election problem. Let's see. Problem is, bring a boy Voter election fraud is a slap on the wrist. Example sample of fine. I think there are people that have served jail time for what they did. I don't know about that specific case that I'm talking about. But even the fine, I mean, why would you want to pay a fine? Why would you want that on your record? So anyway, and, and there's some lies that are going on about HR1 so we're going to go ahead and we're going to take the, the the next break and we will uh, take your calls as well uh, and we'll be talking about HR1 um, in more detail and we'll go long if we have to. Uh, I'm not necessarily promising a three-hour show a three-hour show like we had last week, uh, but if if it gets that it gets that and it's fine i don't care it's possible that weather could be coming at some point that could knock the podcast out and that's the case then we may have to end prematurely but anyway after the break little then radio Top from the life, that's right gone mad. One progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan radio minicast. Alright, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say. Sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio Minicast. Talk from the left, that's right.
2: And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah.
3: Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh catch you on the tune.
1: If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the mini-cast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Deminox, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for season two where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat and find me on Twitter by the handle xdeminox.com. Letter our X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kind of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million. Yotta is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yotta.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's y-o-t-t-a.liberaldan.com. Welcome back to Liberdale Radio Talk from the left to right. This is your Irish host, Tan Zimmerman, on St. Paddy's Day. We're talking about sorts of issues. I did have my corned beef and cabbage today and some potatoes. I'm wearing a green shirt in honor of St. Paddy's Day. So thank you for listening and listening to my terrible Irish accent. I'm more, that's more of a Dublin type of accent. I might, no, I think my wife prefers my Belfast accent more. But anyway, enough of this shenanigans and foolishness talking up in my Irish accent. I do want to do a give a uh, shout out to my little brother, the host of the most Nimbus Yosh host of the Percy podcast, who is home from the hospital after having been diagnosed both with COVID and he got pneumonia and a nearly collapsed lung. Um, we've been trying to not make him laugh too hard because apparently laughing hurts, which is unfortunate, but uh, big, again, shout out to you, my little bro. Hope things are well. Hope we're able to fully form Voltron in the future. We only two-thirds formed Voltron last week with Deminox. And also a big shout-out to Deminox uh, with his World According to the Knox podcast, as you've heard. That is on the Anchor platform as well. Uh, he's the first Liberal Day Radio Patreon, and I appreciate him. And also to uh, Cesar, um, a second Liberal Day Radio Patreon, thank you for your support as well, as well. So, um, before before we get back to the topic at hand with election integrity, we're going to play our last Just Money Minute from Amber Petrovich.
0: This is Amber Petrovich, a.k.a. Just Money, talking investing in finance in the Just Money Minute. Now, I wanted to talk about options today, but... I realize I should probably cover something less risky first, so let's talk about the ultimate must-have for the majority of investing portfolios, and that is the exchange-traded fund, otherwise known as an ETF. No matter what type of investor you are, you want to have at least a few stable safes like an ETF that follows a major index such as the S&P 500 or the Dow. A few good ones are SPY, DIA, and VTI. Think of an ETF like the mall and the stores inside the mall are all the stocks within the ETF. So when you're buying an ETF, which trades just like a stock, you're actually buying a collection of stocks, a great way to diversify with minimal risk. This has been the Just Money Minute with Amber Petrovich. Build wealth and fight the wealth gap.
1: <laughs> I did hear a little bit of some children, I guess, yelling in the background towards the end of that <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, but anyway, that is uh, Amber Petrovich. Uh, you can follow her just underscore money one on TikTok. She is also at Amber Rose on Twitter. <clears throat> so you can follow her over there as well. And again, her website is coming soon. Uh, Liberal Band Radio is not a financial advisor. We're not. I'm not a financial expert. So as always, you should always speak, uh, talk to a professional about your specific investment portfolio needs before making any decisions. On any investments, um, Amber did want me to ask something though. To anybody who's listening, and uh, you can you can mention this, uh, tag me on Twitter, or bring it in the chat room here, uh, email me at gmail.com. What are your risk levels? What you know? What what is your ex, ex, what what do you what do you like doing in investing? Are you a beginning investor? Are you a maybe? I'll do a poll uh, if, if there's enough interest. I'll show a poll as to what's your level of investing. Is so that uh, we can specifically target these Just Money Minutes to what you want to hear about. Uh, so again, you know, just let me know. Let me know what your what you want to hear about. Is intro stuff, beginner stuff, more complex stuff. If you want to hear stuff about options. Uh, and if we have enough inf- enough requests, we can always bring her back on the podcast to talk about other issues in a larger than a minute format uh, for that. And. As a, as a service to y'all, I want to make sure that y'all get uh, as much good information as possible. Let's uh, quickly bring a boy. I we me and Nimbus Yosh, the host of the most uh, from the Percy Podcast, we are not literally related brothers, uh, but we do a big. I'm, I'm Big Brother Dan, and he's my little brother, the host of the most, of Nimbus Yosh. So that's just kind of our words of support and uh, affirmation to each other because we're close friends. He's he's a uh, He's a good buddy. We would die for each other if we had to. So um, we are, he's a good, he's a good guy. And I was very, very freaked out when he was in the hospital. And of course, because I am who I am, you know, of course I, I treated it as I normally treat things of hardship with gallows tumor. Fortunately, my group tends to, feel the same way about things. So it, it didn't get lost in the shuffle. Uh, but anyway, if you do have any questions about, you know, stocks and any particular thing, let's just, again, let me know either via Twitter, via email, uh, on my Facebook page, whatever, however you want to contact me and let me know what you want to hear about or what's your, what's your risk, your risk tolerance is, what's your experiences when it comes to investing, what you want to hear about, any anything, anything specifically you would like, her to talk about on the Just Money Minute, and we will custom craft it to y'all because, hey, you know, that's what Liberal Day in Radio is all about, uh, making a good listener experience for all who listen, not just the liberal-minded folk, but everybody. That's why we have Bringing a Boy in to chat a bunch because despite our political differences, uh, you know, we appreciate each other. So um, don't want to get too weird about it. <laughs> There you go. I like having bringing the show would not be as good without bringing a boy in the chat room, uh, asking me questions, keeping me honest, um, and giving me good details. I guess good things to talk about when you know, not necessarily. Anyways, let's let's go back and let's let's get finally forty minutes into the show. We're gonna start talking about the HR one. Of course. Uh, H.R. 1 uh, Section 3 findings of general constitutional authority, it pretty much makes sense that the 14th Amendment would justify uh, if people's rights are being violated uh, when it comes to voting rights, the 14th Amendment absolutely gives Congress the ability to set forth uh, provisions to make sure that those rights are not trampled upon. Uh, it's one of the main reasons that the 14th Amendment was created was to make sure that states could not trample on the individual rights of others. And it empowers uh, the government to, to make these types of laws. Um, of course, it, obviously, they're to be, are subject to judicial review. So Title I of H.R. 1, uh, the Title One Division A, uh, deals with voting. Uh, voter Registration Modernization. Um, requiring the availability of internet for registration. Um, Each state acting through the chief state election official shall ensure that the following services are available to the public at any time on the official public websites of the appropriate state and local election officials in the state in the same manner and subject to the same terms and conditions as the services provided by voter registration agencies under Section 7A. Uh, So, Online application, for voter registration, online assistance, online completion, um, signature requirements in general for purposes of this section, an individual meets the requirements of the subsection of files. In the case of an individual who has a signature on file with the state agency, including the state motor vehicle authority that is required to provide a voter registration services, the individual consents to transfer of that electronic signature, blah, 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 blah. Um, Let's see. Provision of services in nonpartisan manner special requirements for individuals using online registration, uh, treatment of individuals registering to vote by mail for purposes of first-time voter identification requirements. Um, Section 303 of the Helping Vote America Act, so it's something that already exists, is amended by vote striking by mail and inserting by mail or online. So here's the thing. Some of these laws, as written, you then have to go into the other laws to figure out how exactly it changes. So you can't
2: specifically
1: um, look at everything, but let's say it's inserting a paragraph for signature requirements for first-time voter using online registration. A state shall in a uniform and non-discriminating manner, require an individual to meet requirements of subparagraph paragraph B. Uh, if the individual registered to vote a state online, individual has not previously voted in an election for federal office. Uh, if individual meets requirements of this paragraph, if, uh let's see with a handwritten in the case of an individual who votes in person the individual provides the appropriate state or local election with a signature or in the case of an individual who votes by mail the the uh, individual submits the ballot a handwritten signature so it does seem like if you're first time voting uh, using online registration you still have to provide a signature that matches something on the file um so that that takes away one of the internet internet update registration information Uh, That is something that Louisiana has, and I don't hear much complaints about that. Um, Let's see. Provision of electronic information by electronic mail to individuals registered to vote. Nah, that's not really that concerning. Uh, Prohibiting state from requiring applicants to provide more than last four digits of social security number. Um, Form included with application. Let's see. they basically, we're – Conservatives have picked on this one, but a lot of states only require uh, the last four of the, of the social just to prove that that person is who it is by providing other pieces of information. So you provide, like, your date of birth, your whatever information, and then the last four of your social at that point. Oh, yeah, this person is the correct person because you can accurately identify yourself with these pieces of information. Um, automatic voter registration. Um Congress finds that the right to vote is a fundamental right for citizens of the United States. As I said in my in my videos pertaining to uh, the GOP coup, uh, if we believe that voting is a right in the United States, and I, I have said multiple times in the Constitution, it says the right to vote. So you, if, if, if you, you're talking about the right to vote, you have the right to vote. The purpose of this part is to establish that it is responsibility of government at every level to ensure that all eligible citizens are registered to vote in elections for federal office. Automatic registration of eligible individuals. Uh, The chief state election official of each state shall establish and operate a system of automatic registration for registration of eligible individuals to vote uh, for elections for federal office and state, including accordance for provisions in this part. If not later than 15 days after a contributing agency has transmitted transmitted information with respect to individuals, blah, 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 Um, one-time registration of voters based on existing contributing agency records, blah, 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 blah. So basically they want everybody who who is eligible to be um, registered to vote to be automatically be registered to vote so you don't have to jump through hoops. Um, State may not refuse to treat an individual as an eligible individual for persons' part on the grounds that the individual is less than 18 years of age at the time a contributing agency receives information with respect to the individual, as long as the individual is at least 16, nothing in the previous sentence may be construed to require a state to permit an individual who is under 18 to vote. Now, here's the thing. A lot of conservatives are being confusing. Um, state may not refuse. St- 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 people, basically, the, the allowance of people, I think Georgia was trying to get rid of this, and other states were trying to rid of this as well pre-registration of people who are under 18 so allowing people to as early as 16 submit a reg- voter registration form and then have so they can be ready to go once they hit 18 then they uh, become eligible to vote and can cast a ballot uh, people conservatives say that them allowing pre-registration of 16 or 17 year olds would then lead to people voting who are not 18 that's not the case that it's not what's required Let's see, bringing a boy It is a duty to vote, but it is also a choice to vote. Yes, it is both a duty and a choice to vote. However, it is also a right to vote, and that's the thing, which means we should be making it as easy as possible. Every legitimate elector, every legitimate voter to be registered to vote and to cast a vote. There should be no extra steps involved. There should be nothing. Nobody should have to jump through extra hoops. If they're a legitimate voter, they should be able to cast a ballot without question. And we should be making it easy to cast a vote. And none of it, you know, there are people who are conservatives who are like, well, we should only be able, we should only vote on election day. Why? Why should we only vote on election day? There is nothing yet easy and secure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bringing a point. It should be easy and it should be secure. And and we should be making sure that, again, everybody who casts a ballot is a legitimate voter. Now, people have said, well, what about requiring an ID? And and as I said in the last episode of Liberal Dan Radio, I support voter ID. We could do whatever I'd like to do in Mexico. Mexico issues every single person an ID that, that is eligible to vote. It's a photo ID, and those people are eligible, can use that ID to go vote and it's provided at no additional cost to them. All their taxes paid for this ID. Unlike like North Carolina, that tried to say, if you don't have an ID for other purposes, you have to pay for one. But if you have to pay for one, then that's a poll tax because it's requiring an expenditure expenditure of money to cast a ballot, which should be considered unconstitutional under the constitution that prohibits poll taxes. You're not a fan of mail-in vote. I mean... There is no evidence to show that mail-in voting has any more fraud than in-person voting. And there are full states like Colorado, Washington, I think Idaho, and I want to say Wyoming. I might be wrong about Wyoming. There are four states that completely vote by mail. And there has been shown no evidence that people are voting by mail illegally in those states. And, there, and Colorado has had Republicans and Democrats recently um, you know, you just they just replaced Corey Gardner with Thick and Looper. Um, Idaho clearly is a red state. It's a bunch of potatoes. Wonder how many Irishmen are over there. They're no, sorry, gotta go back to my wee Irish accent because it's Saint Patrick's Day. But every time I have the opportunity to talk about potatoes, I'm gonna turn t- talking about talking in my Irish accent, lads. Uh, bringing a boy says twenty twenty election there's no evidence that the twenty twenty election had fraudulent mail in ballots And so you had Donald Trump talking about uh, unsolicited ballot request forms, where people were sent ballot request forms in an unsolicited way, but that person who got the unsolicited solicited ballot request form would still have to fill that ballot request form out, send it back, and then have that ballot request form proved to be able to receive a ballot uh, for the absentee ballot. I have never voted by mail. I have. I don't think there's been any time recently where I've gone on election day to vote for a major election. I think there's been times where I might have gone to election day to cast a ballot for, like, an ordinance where it was going to be low anyway because people don't understand that you can lose rights on all major elections. So that's why I vote every time. But typically, even on the smaller ones, I vote early to get it out of the way and make sure that I'm not dealing with a line, especially during COVID-19. I didn't want to have to get anywhere close to anybody during the pandemic. Uh, see, not quite sure what I, I'm not going to go into full details on what this uh, um, contributing agencies are when it comes to the automatic registration. But I think I think people the voter protection and security in automatic registration. Um, an individual should not be prosecuted under any federal state law adversely affected by any civil adjudication. Or if the individual, um, so if they wrongly, I guess, put in somebody who was a citizen uh, is therefore not eligible to vote, and if it was not their fault, then they can't punish somebody who was automatically registered. So there you go. So there's 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 that. Uh, let's see, and there have been a few cases of people who are non-citizens who have been incorrectly registered to vote, but it's, it's not it's not an epidemic or or uh, I don't want to use a pandemic. It's not. It's, it's the exception, not the rule. It's not generally allowed. Most everybody, you know, I'm going to say 99, 99%, 99.9999% of all eligible voters or, or registered voters are correctly registered, and there are probably more people who are blocked from voting or have been removed from voter rolls uh, incorrectly than people who are incorrectly registered. Um, See, there are exempt states well, let's see same day voter registration uh title three of hava help again i'm going to say hava it's help america vote act um so they're redesignating sections 304 and 305 as 305 and 306 and then putting in after section 303 three the new section 304 uh each state shall permit any individual on the day of a federal election uh and, and including early voting is permitted for election to register to vote in such election at the polling place using a form that meets the requirements of the election. So basically it requires same-day registration. And if you, can, if you can register, if you can prove that you're eligible to vote on the day of the election, why should you not be able to vote on the day of an election? Uh, conditions on removal of, on basis of interstate cross-checks minimum information required for removal under cross-check. So they're basically saying that in, um, if, let's see, the extent that the program is carried out by a state to remove I- names of ineligible voters from official lists, uh, voters using interstate cross-check, in addition, to any other conditions imposed under this act uh, to remove them, the state may not remove the name of the voter list unless the state obtain the voter's full name, including voter middle name and any date of birth and last four digits of the social in the cross check or state documentation from the Eric, whatever the Eric system is, is no longer a resident of the state. So there's one. So, so here's one thing that conservatives trying to say that, you know, when people are, the, the, this, this bill is trying to prevent people from removing inaccurate voters. Now here's right here. It ex- specifically explains what the state must do in order to remove. So if the state, uh, uses some cross-checking to be able to see if somebody in another state re- was registered, and they can verify that the person is the same person as the person registered in a new state, that person can then be removed from the voting roll of the previous state. Let's see. See What is my source on the mail-in voting? Uh, my source is mail voting is I haven't received any. It is not my responsibility to say that there was no evidence of mail-in voting fraud. The responsibility is on the people proving mail-in voting fraud to prove that there was mail-in voting fraud. So it it is a logical fallacy to request that I prove that mail-in voting fraud didn't exist. It it, it is not proper logic. All right, so we are back, and uh, we uh, had some issues here. Uh, Let's see. I uh, lost the signal, and we have no Internet at my house uh, at the moment, so I had to dial in using my cell phone, which is fun. So, here we go. So, like bringing a boy, can you now hear me again? Uh or did you did you leave I guess at this point. Uh did, did you leave the show? Uh, I don't know. We're good. we're going to see uh, if, uh you know how the show turns out. As I said, um I, what I might very well do at this point is just because we have the storm and because I lost the uh, signal and Good. At least you he can hear me. Um, well, we can. We can. Tr- Only problem is, let's see. Can I? I still have the website loaded, so I can still look at the website. I just can't move off the website, or else I won't get the. I won't get. I'll, I'll lose the signal. Um, summer, oh, it looks like we might have the internet back. Let's see. I'm not hearing. Not hearing look I wouldn't hear it on my speakers, but let me see. Let me mute myself. And we'll do this. We'll we'll do it through the phone from this point because I, I might I might have been disconnected uh with the main thing. So that might no longer be working anymore. So uh, of course, as I said, we have storms coming through New Orleans, and I was expecting to lose my signal, and lo and behold, I did lose my signal. So let's let's go ahead and we're going to oh, – I can't use it that way. Um, why did I need to play this one?
2: Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking.
1: There you go. So um, – and, of course, I can hear it via the phone, not via my headphone. So uh, this other tool, too, that I have that allows me to plug in the headphones. So annoying. Go ahead and plug that in, too. And then we can go back to talking about the topic of the day. Do that. Do that. Now let's see if I can do
2: that. I the wrong way to quit sniffing glue.
1: There we go. So, can you hear me again? Bringing it. Let, let's. Can you hear me at this point? Is, is, are we still flowing? Or I guess I could probably check at this point. Uh, to Do another. I, I'm going to have to edit the show, I guess, and uh, um, edit it. Maybe edit out some of this, or whatever. Maybe not. We'll see. Trying to uh, see if I can hear. I can. I can test on an incognito window because I now have internet again to see if. I'm able to hear myself talking via the headset uh, that I'm using. And that will enable me to see whether or not I can hear myself fine. So we're just going to do a quick test and make sure that I can hear myself. And then assuming I can hear, oh, I, I do hear the, I do see a thumbs up from Big Your Boy. So that is good. Oh, there we go. I can hear myself on my computer audio with that one. So there we go. Perfect. I have solved the technical problems. No wonder I am a software developer, software engineer, or whatever. You know, I'm a nerd, and I figured out how to solve the problem with my nerdy skills. Back to our regularly scheduled program. So, as we've said, as we, uh, I, uh, before we were so rudely interrupted by the weather and my Internet, uh, as we've said, um, the Republicans were, you know, complaining about this bill because they were trying to supposedly claim that that this did not allow the removal of eligible voters from interstate, from from, from voter rolls. And that's not true because clearly right here it states the, the circumstances under which a state can remove an, an ineligible voter uh, from the list of eligible voters in the state using the uh, electronic registration information center. Uh, that shares voter registration information and voter identification information among participating states and uses interstate cross-check, which means the transmission of information from an election official in one state to an election official in another state. So clearly the rules do allow you to say, look, you can remove people uh, if you adequately show that this person should be removed, and that should be the case. You shouldn't ha- you shouldn't be able to just toss one. like Iowa. The Iowa law basically says if you miss one general election, you're removed. You're 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 listed as an inactive voter. They then have to mail you and then do that. Then you have to jump through hoops to be able to regain your right to cast a ballot. When in reality, you did nothing wrong. You just chose to not vote once. That should not trick. Now. Should you be able to miss out on 20 straight elections in a row in order to and, – and, and have the state not be like, you know, hmm, this might not be you – know, this might seem fishy? I don't know. 20 seems excessive. One seems excessive in the other way. So, so – but, yeah, there's nothing in this that prevents a state from removing voters who may have registered in another state. Um, let's see, and, and other initiatives to promote voter registration, not later than 90 days after each year, state will, will submit to the election, election Assistance Commission a report on the criteria, on the categories, number of individuals who were registered, number of voter registration applications forms completed, uh, number of individuals who voter registration application forms were accepted, uh, change of address forms, uh, statewide computer registration, there's a whole bunch of stuff that they need to give so basically they can show that the Congress can basically check that the the states are following the rules. Um, The ensuring pre-registration, registration registration deadlines are consistent with timing of legal public holidays, Um, use of postal service hard copy change of address form to remind individuals to update voter registration, Um, grants to states for activities to encourage involvement of minors in election activities. Election activities does not mean votes, it just means election activities. It's being civic-minded as a kid, um, which is good. People, sh- Kids should be civic-minded. And if you can get a kid to help with elections, that you know, even if they can't vote, it's a good thing. Um, inclusion of voter registration information with certain leases and vouchers, blah, blah, blah. And it basically just means, ooh, there's more lightning. So we will see how long we, we last internet-wise uh, or power-wise, I should say. Let's see, Austin, a woman has been arrested for multiple charges, including election fraud illegal voting, unlawfully assisting people to vote in a mail. Yeah, one person was arrested for it. That doesn't mean it is a panacea of problems. Um, prohibiting interference with voter registration. Um, it shall be unlawful for any person, whether acting under color of law or otherwise, to corruptly hinder, interfere with, or prevent another person from registering to vote. Or to corruptly hinder, interfere with, prevent another person from aiding another person in registering a vote. Any person who attempts to commit any offense described in the subsection can be subject to the same penalties as those prescribed for the offense that the person attempted to commit. Um, let's see, voter registration efficiency act um, requiring applicants for motor vehicle driver's license in new states to indicate whether state serves as residence for voter registration purposes. So let's say you go to a state. Um, you're you're getting a voter- You're getting a, a license in that particular state to drive, and then you are then required under this to basically say, "This is my state of residency." When it as it pertains to voting, um, so you might have a driver's license in one state yet establish residency in another state. So it basically, requires the individual to say, "Look, which is your state?" To make sure that, I guess, if you can, so I guess it might be, maybe it might allow somebody who drives for Uber or something, or maybe somebody who has an apartment in New Orleans and wants to do something that requires a Louisiana license, but wants to still not vote in New Orleans and vote in Mississippi if they're from Mississippi. As an example, let's say there's some reason that this might happen. I don't know, but you want to, it requires you to, to then state that which one it is. Uh, let's see. Providing voter registration information to secondary school students um, yeah, it's more, I think of the, of the registering to vote before you're 18 to allow you, again, part 10 voter registration of minors, acceptance of voter registration applications for individuals under 18, uh, basically, basically requires that, you know, if you submit a voter registration, uh, you can do so early as long as you don't, it doesn't require the states to let you vote before 18, but it allows you to put all your ducks in a row, um, access to voting for individuals with disabilities. I think we should all agree that people with disabilities should be able to cast ballots and votes. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember seeing any criticisms of this section of the bill uh, enabling people with disabilities. So I'm going to skip over it because I don't think this is that uh, problematic or I don't think they're challenging this portion of the bill. Prohibiting voter caging. So definition, voter caging. Means a non-forwardable document that is returned to the sender or third party of as undelivered or undeliverable, despite an attempt to deliver such a document up to the address of the registered voter applicant, or any document with instruction to an addressee that the document be returned to the sender, but is not so returned despite an attempt to deliver such document. Blah 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 blah. Uh, so basically, this is what Georgia does and other states do. And this is what voter caging is. And basically. You, The state sends a letter, says, hey, are you there? But the, the, the letter doesn't get forwarded to a new address if the person moves. The, the, the mail doesn't, you know, there's no guarantee that the mail gets delivered. And then there's no guarantee that if the person gets the mail, that when they send the mail back, that it gets delivered properly as well. So there's multiple points of possible failure in voter when they try and do this thing. And then if they don't get the form back, then they remove the person from the voting roll. Then a person who might be un- unaware that, that because maybe it got lost in the mail, oh, I'm going to go vote. Well, you can't vote. Why can't I vote? Because you never returned this form. That's voter caging. That was abused by then-Secretary of State Kemp, uh, now Governor Kemp, and I'm sure they're doing it again and again and again. So they're trying to eliminate voter caging. So that is a good thing. Of course, conservatives are going to be like, "No, that's not a good idea at all. Um term unverified match list means the a list produced by matching information of registered voters of applicants uh, to – no state or local election official shall prevent an individual from registering or voting in any pre- election for federal office or permit in connection with voting uh, if the basis for, of such decision is uh, that the person is on a voter-caging document or voter-caging list an unverified match list, an error or admission of any record or paper according to the application, any other evidence designated for purposes of the section by the Election Assistance Commission, requirements for challenges by a person other than an election official. So no person other than a state or local election official shall submit a formal challenge to an individual's ability to register to vote in an election um, unless that challenge is supported by personal law- knowledge regarding the grounds of ineligibility which is in document documented writing and subject to an oath or attestation under penalty of perjury that the challenger has a good-faith factual basis to believe that an individual who is the subject, basically, you need to put your, yourself on the line and say, I don't, if this is why I believe this person shouldn't be able to vote, there you go. Uh, prohibition on challenges on or near the date of the election. Um, you can't challenge the eligibility to vote uh, on election day or uh, to register to vote in an election for federal office to vote Less than ten days before, whatever um, development of op- deceptive practices voter case. So again, no voter case. prohibiting deceptive practices and preventing voter intimidation. Um, no person, whether acting under color of law or otherwise, shall, within sixty days before an election described in the paragraph, by any means, including by means of written, electronic, telephonic communications, uh, uh, cannot communicate. Knowably false with the intent to impede or prevent another person from exercising a right to vote in an election to, to, in paragraph. So basically you are not allowed um, to tell people wrong information, to basically say vote on this day or vote at this wrong place. Um, false statements regarding public endorsements. You can't make a false statement about public endorsements either. Um, can't interfere with – so. That's a good thing. I haven't heard too many complaints by conservatives about this particular uh, Democracy Restoration Act of 2021. Uh, The right to vote is basic, intrinsic act, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, There are three areas in which discrepancies in state laws regarding criminal convictions lead to unfairness in federal elections, a lack of uniform standard in voting. So this is one thing that conservatives are complaining about, um, that they said – this law will allow murderers and rapists to vote. Uh, if somebody was convicted in, of murder or rape or whatever and then is released from prison, that person should then be able to have their voting rights restored. And as, uh, the, the people of Florida did vote for that in 2016. Florida basically said, hey, even though we're electing Donald Trump, we believe that somebody who served their time should be able to have their elect- voting rights restored. And then what happened? Well – the legislature said, yeah, but we're going to make them pay a penalty, or they have to pay all their fines before they can do it, so they went against the will of the people in the state of Florida um, the right of individual this is the rights of citizens the right of an individual who is a citizen of the United States to vote in any election for federal office shall not be denied or abridged because that individual has been convicted of a criminal offense unless such individual is serving a felony sentence in a correctional institution or a facility at the time of the election. So basically, if you're in jail, you can be prevented from voting or prison, I should say, or a correctional institution. If you're in a correctional institution, you can be prohibited from voting still. But if you are not currently serving in prison, you cannot be prevented from voting. You have the right to cast a ballot still. Um, Again, that is a good thing. Let's see. She worked from turned Georgia blue and got arrested for it again. Okay. That's fine. There is a person who got convicted. That's how the system is supposed to work. They catch them and then they put them in jail. But again, the, the one person doing it doesn't mean that the entire turn Georgia blue is corrupt. It doesn't mean that, you know, you have individuals of, you know, that, that it's a widespread issue that's going on. You have, you, just because one person is convicted it doesn't mean it's it's widespread. You have to show that it's widespread. You have to show, like they could only show, I think in Florida, like 12, like they were trying to, all these problems are happening in voting in Georgia and 12 of them happened. Um, let's see, the term correctional institution or facility means any prison, penitentiary, jail or other institution or facility for the confinement of individuals convicted of criminal offenses, whether publicly or privately operated, except that such term does not include residential community treatment center um, do, 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 do. so yes, you you, 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 this bill does allow people who are felons to be able to vote as long as they're not currently serving a sentence. Um, let's see what else, what else are we going to talk about in this one? Let's, let's skip that section. I don't think that section is one that's getting much complaints. Um, uh, provisional ballot, early voting, um, each state shall allow individuals to vote in an election for federal office during an early voting period which occurs prior to the of the election in the same manner as voting is allowed on such date. The early voting period under this subsection with respect to an election shall consist of a period of consecutive days, including weekends, which begins on the 15th day before the date of the election or at the option of the state on a day prior to the 15th day uh, that ends on the date of the election. Each polling place which allows voting during early voting period shall Allow such voting more, no less than 10 hours a day. Have uniform hours each day. Allow such voting to be held some period of time prior to 9 a.m. and some period of time after 5 a.m. So basically you have to, you have to allow – it has to be between 9 and 5 and then plus other hours to allow. where You can't just have it stop at 5 and be all the early morning hours, or you can't have it start at 9 and exclude early morning hours. You have to you include for 9 and after 5, according to this law. Okay, yes. so uh, proximity to, needs to be close to public transportation, has to be available to rural areas, uh, has to be available to college campuses because college students have the right to vote. And according to the Supreme Court rulings, students have the right to vote in the state where they are attending school and not necessarily in the states where they are from. Subtitle one, voting by mail, promoting ability of voters to vote by mail, a uniform availability of absentee voting to all voters. If an individual in a state is eligible to cast a vote on an election in federal office, this state may not impose any additional conditions or requirements on the eligibility of an individual to cast the vote in such election by absentee ballot by ballot. So basically it means if you want to cast an absentee ballot, you can. And, and I haven't been convinced that there is a good reason to not allow people to vote absentee. The- what is it the business of government to say you can't cast this absentee ballot when we allow a lot of other people to do it every soldier votes absentee and every soldier should be allowed to vote absentee but because they're citizens i mean you know obviously they're, if they're, you know even if they're serving at home, even if they're home let them vote by absentee everybody should be able to vote by absentee if they so choose some people are going to choose to cast a ballot in person. I like casting a ballot in person. I like doing that. I don't especially with with the joy running the post office. Still, I don't trust vote by mail. I don't trust that my mail will be delivered on time. Therefore, I'm going to go in person and cast the ballot. That's me. There are people who are going to make other decisions based off of what they feel is appropriate, and I think that's fine too. Again, as long as as long as you know. The person is verified and, and legitimately allowed to vote. Then, good. Let them vote. State may oppose reasonable deadline for requesting absentee ballot and return voting material. Um, no effect on identification requirements. For first-time voters registering by mail. Nothing in this subsection can be construed. Any individual uh from the rec- meeting or the requirements of paragraph two. Blah, blah 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 blah. Due process for states requiring signature verification. The state may not impose signature verification. As a condition of accepting and counting an absentee ballot submitted by any individual with respect to of election, unless the state meets the due process requirements. So it's not saying you don't have to have signature; you just need due process in order to do so. Uh, let's see, notice an opportunity to cure discrepancy in signature. So that, that's the thing. So if you, as a state, if the state is going to require signature verification, you a must allow for somebody to say, oh, there's a problem with your signature, come in and fix this. Show, you know, you can then say, okay, this is my signature. As as Demadoc said last week, it has been shown that people's signatures change over time. If I looked at my mom's signature from 20 years ago, it would be somewhat different from the signature now. I know that it's hers. I know what her signature looks like. And I know that she might be a little shaky. So if somebody's shaky when they're signing the signature, sh- that should not mean that they don't get to Cast about or have their vote found. So then, you have to make a good faith effort to notify the individual by mail, telephone, or text message or email that the discrepancy is, exists. That there's a 10-day period to cure the discrepancy. Um, so you have to be able to. So let's see. Notice an opportunity to cure missing signature or other defects. So if there's again, if there's a defect, you get to fix it. Um, let's see. Uh, Other requirements. An election official may not make a determination that a discrepancy exists between a signature and an absentee ballot, uh, or unless the two election officials make the determination, each official who makes the determination has to receive training and procedures to verify signatures, and the officials who make the determination, at least one of them is affiliated with the political party of the candidate who received the most votes in the state, uh, and at least one affiliated with the political party of whose candidate received the second most votes in the state uh, for the for the federal office held in the state. So basically, if, if to, you, you have to have people from opposite parties agreeing that this is a signature that is in, invalid, and you have to be trained in order to test that. Would well, there be problems if people sign with an X? I think that goes into the dis- disability section, because I think there are persons with disabilities who do sign with an X. Um, I'm I'm assuming that the ADA would trump that. Uh, But, again, if if you're comparing this thing, if if you signed it with an X on your voter registration and you signed it, that might be a situation maybe where they ask you to cure it. I don't know. Um, Again, the law is very long. But, look, I think it's reasonable for people to say if somebody signs with an X, then maybe – then that's something that needs to be looked at. Uh, I'm sure this election commission is going to be created. Let's see, absentee ballots is going to be a tracking program. But payments to reimburse states for costs incurred in establishing program to track. Okay, so basically the, the government is going to provide payments to help states uh, uh, confirm receipt of absentee ballots. So basically, it's not going to be an additional cost on states in order to do this. Uh, prepayment on post return elements. Um, Let's see, voter registration applications transmitted from registered by mail, um, needs to have prepayment of postage, no effect on ballots or ballot materials transmitted to absent military and overseas voters, blah, 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 voting materials, restrictions, blah, 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 absent uniformed services, voters, and overseas pre-election reports on availability of traps and business. This is absentee ballots for for troops. Um, I think that's fine. I think that's – I don't think there's any – again, I haven't seen any people complaining about, you know, making sure that troops can vote adequately. Uh, Poll workers should be trained and recruited properly. That seems to be reasonable. Um, Federal election integrity, um, prohibiting uh, campaign activities by chief state election administration officials. It should be unlawful for a chief state election administration official to take an active part in political management or – in a political campaign with respect to any election for federal office for which the person has supervised the supervisory authority. We saw this way back in 2000 where Katherine Harris was the secretary of state of Florida and was the chair of the uh, George Bush uh, election committee. Uh, I think statewide, if not statewide, maybe some there. but yeah, she was basically doing, that is a conflict of interest. Absolutely. That's a conflict of interest um voter access blah blah, blah 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 i haven't seen many people complaining about that one i really wish that the uh individual who called in last week and who brought up hr1 would have called in because i would have loved to be able to address each specific section that he had a problem with and be able to search for it and say okay this is what you're talking about uh and this is this is this is where uh the 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 scare tactics of the right are incorrectly addressing the requirements of this law. Boo, 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 boo. No, it's still miscellaneous provision. Um, authorizing payments to voting accessible. Per, you know, that's just payments. Um, let's see, placement of statues of citizens. Of, that's okay. No, that has nothing to do with it. Voter notice. Uh, Voter notification of timely information about changes in Elections Act. So basically, if if, if there's a change in an election that the voters have to be adequately informed of that, that seems fine. Now we're on election integrity. (laughs) uh, Let's see. Findings related to Native American voting rights. The right of all Americans is sacred. Congress must fulfill uh, federal government's true responsibility uh, to allow Native Americans to vote uh, Native American Voting Rights Coalition, four-state survey of voter discrimination, and nine field hearings in Indian country uh, revealed obstacles that Native Americans must overcome, including lack of accessible and proximal registration and polling sites, non-traditional addresses for residents of civilian reservations. We talked about this on the last show, too, that we had a situation where uh, they required in – I want to say it was Minnesota or Mon- – no, was Montana. It was Montana. They required um, – no, maybe it was not I don't know which one it was, but they required that that you not have a post office box on your driver's license in order to cast a ballot Well there are lots of uh, Native Americans who use post offices boxes as their official address because they live on registr- on um, indian res- on- reservations tribal reservations and those res- those reservations have no official like street names and addresses that's why they use the PO boxes so basically they were preventing people from being able to cast a legitimate ballot uh, there's also the problem of homelessness and if if you are homeless if if you do not have a house if you don't if you live on the street that doesn't mean you should not be able to vote you should be able to cast a ballot if you are currently homeless so uh, the requirements of having to have a physical address is a problem because it prevents sign- – and again, the caller last week was like, look, you know, that's an exception, not the rule. Well, again, voter fraud is the exception. Uh, see, my wife trained and passed to be a poll worker. She has put on the stand because she asked the question, why not use a pen for signature instead of the electronic signature? They told her it was because of COVID. Um, I, I guess go into a little bit more detail about – Uh, the electric signature, like, was the electric signature on what? On, I mean, on a, on a regular ballot, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not quite seeing where you would normally electric things, electric signatures are used when you submit something electronically, not when you, not when you have a mail-in ballot. Uh, so I have to have more information about that. Um, This, this, this section is talking about D.C. statehood, so it, 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 it has to do with voting rights because the people in D.C. do not have congressional congressional representation. Um, so they're basically establishing that they believe that the District of Columbia uh, should be able to have congressional representation, but basically make it a state. Um, I like how it's H.R. 51. <laughs> That's cute that they call it H.R. 51 to make Washington, D.C. the, the 51st state. Um, do, 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 do. Redistricting reform. Uh, Congress has the authority to establish the terms and conditions of states follow in carrying out congressional redistricting after an apportionment of members of the House of Representatives because uh, as the authority of Congress, then Article 4, Question 1 is an authority granted to Congress under Section 5 of the 14th Amendment. Uh, so, yes, so if you're going to redistrict c- Congress uh, congressional seats, you need to do so in a way that basically uh, the publicly available application process, disqualification for government service and political appointment. Uh, individuals who, for a covered period of time in the established state, have held a public office, uh, I guess can't serve on the commission, uh, have the commission has to be made up of multiple parties. Uh, members of the commission are required to meet certain criteria in the map drawing process including minimizing the division of communities of interest and a ban of drawing maps to favor a political party huzzah let's do that let's do that in all 50 states 51 states if you count the district of columbia although i'm sure the District of columbia would probably only have one district um maybe we'll see it depends on what's the population of the district of columbia Population Washington, D.C. is 692,683. So that is roughly, let's see, how much the population of Wyoming? Population of Wyoming is 500. So it's roughly one Wyoming's worth. So, yeah, if Washington, D.C. became a state, it would have one congressional seat. So there you go. So you would not have to, there's no requirement for Wyoming and Washington, D.C. to, uh, to uh, to worry about gerrymandering because you can't gerrymander one seat. Um, let's see ban on mid-decade redistricting, criteria for redistricting. I'm wondering if there's uh, the independent redistricting commissions. It's a whole bunch of stuff on on preventing people from joining. In my opinion, in-person voting when you sign in to vote. So the person signs in to vote. I guess are you saying that the people signing the vote are are, are confirming their site? They're signing in the vote, but they're not casting a ballot. Like I'm not, so basically they're confirming electronically that they are who they say they are because of COVID. So they don't have to sign a form. They just click a checkbox or something affirming that they're the person who they are. And then they go to the next person. Like, is that what you're saying that's going on? I mean, I know in my, when I early voted, I did have to still find something, and then I used a certain amount of hand sanitizer to fix it. Um, let's see. This is a big section in this thing about Jeremy. So well, while I'm waiting for that question to be answered um, for from Bigging a Boy, uh, there is a uh, – a big, big chunk about gerrymandering, but it's been my opinion that I believe that we don't even need congressional districts anymore. Congressional districts are an antiquated thing based on the idea that you, know, you want somebody who represents a particular area uh, because when that person comes back from Congress, they, they should be able to more easily get to those areas. Now, gerrymandering nukes that idea because you have these districts that are drawn so silly. Like you have one district in the war that holds new Orleans and Baton Rouge. Like the districts are like an hour and a half, you know, it's an hour and a half from one side to the other. And it weaves its way up the mighty Mississippi so that you can, you uh, it's, it's just ridiculously drawn. If you drew the, if you drew districts in the state of Louisiana in such a way that you know, adequately represented people in a two-party system. One additional seat in Louisiana would be probably controlled by the Democrats. <laughs> You'd have four Republican and two Democratic seats, but as right now, because of the way the districts are drawn, you have five and one because of packing and stacking. They pack everybody into they, they pack everybody into these into these big districts so that these smaller these other districts, uh, like like ninety percent in one, and then whatever percent another, other. It's, if you listen to the podcast where we talked about the maker board game, that game shows you how to draw lines in such a way that you can, you know, you want to pack your opponents into districts while, while like, you know, you win your district by one vote or whatever. You can win your district by 5%, but they're winning their districts by, like, 80%. So you're making sure that their voting power is watered down. that's how gerrymandering is a negative impact on voting, and should be considered an attack on voting rights because if my votes my vote is less powerful because you've stacked me into a gerrymandered district that I don't have as much say as my fellow members of my state, which is why I support making it so that we have slates of candidates instead. So people can run under a particular slate. That slate like says, look, well, we're going to, converse. we'll caucus with the Democrats. This is a slate that you know, they can say who they would caucus with or not. But you might say, okay, this is, this is going to be, you could say, hey, this is the New Orleans slate. The New Orleans believes that we should have congressional representation, and this is going to be the New Orleans state slate. But people from all, all over the state would be able to say, okay, I want to vote for the candidates in, the, in that slate. And you list the top, however many candidates there are and if the first person if you only get one the top person gets it if there's two if that slate gets two then the, then the top two people get it if that slate gets three then top three get it and so on and so forth and maybe you know maybe somebody's like hey we're, we're, we 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 want to make a slate but that slate's going to be based off of uh union rights or something so they might feel that that's important and they can say okay if we get to congress we're going to caucus with the democrats and you you put those slates and then and then with any then you have there are ways to already handle that exist that handle who gets the the extraneous votes like if you have like you know 1.8 and somebody else is like 1.7 uh then the 1.8 might get the two votes and the 1.7 might get the one vote uh for for con- for the congressional representation so and that way you don't have to worry about you you can't draw lines again like there's no there'd be no worry about drawing lines because lines are not needed to me lines are not need needed In elections anymore, because we could we can effectively get the people grouped into groups that are in these slates that are better representative of the people in the state. If the if the House of Representatives is truly supposed to be the people's House, then you should absolutely be making sure that the people in the state are represented, not the state political party, not not the current political party who's in charge of the state redistricting purpose. So or Projects or what have you. That's why Project Red Map was such a big problem. That's why I made my GOP coup series because these people clearly um, wanted to make sure that uh, individuals that they that they solidified their political power and were able to get more vote for their buck, which is problematic because you should not have more. You you, you should not if you win fifty one percent, you shouldn't have a hundred percent of the say. You shouldn't, be able to, you shouldn't be able to draw the lines like that. Let's see. Voter purging. Stop automatically voiding eligible voters off in listed roles in tax. act. Uh, let's see. Conditions for removal of voters from official list of voters uh, requiring verification. Factors not considered as objective. So it's not objective and reliable as a source of ineligibility. The failure of the person to vote in any election, the failure to registered to respond to any notice, so it's kind of re, 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 restating what other sections have s- stated. So I don't, this seems to be kind of uh, duplicate wording. Um, Residents of incarcerated individuals. effective beginning with the 2020 decennial census population and taking the tabulation total population uh, with respect to individuals incarcerated in state, federal, county, or municipal correction center. Uh, attribute such individual to the individual's last place of residence before incarceration. And that's going to piss off a Democrat, I believe. Ooh, lightning just struck outside my house. Um, I don't know if you could hear that, but wow, that was bright and close. Um, but yeah, I think there was a, there's a Democrat in Florida who benefits from the fact that I think she might have two or three prisons in her district. And likes the fact that she has two or three prisons in her district because that helps the person – like that, that helps pack the people in the district. So what this is doing is this is saying, nope, sorry, you – these people are not considered to be residents of the district that they lived in before they were arrested. So you don't – so you're not then allowed to pack districts with voters who can't vote. That's how – and it's not even voters that can't vote. That's another thing that people do is they pack they take non-citizens into areas. That's how I think Joe Barton from Texas. Ooh, there we go. We uh, completely lost uh, power. I'm assuming in the house. We have a beep going on. Woo wee! I I don't know what happened. My thing is going off. Is my Wi-Fi still on? I don't know. Let's see. That, that monitor is not on. That was very close. Can you still hear me? <laughs> That's another question. Can you still... Let's go ahead and play this audio again. Uh...
2: Wrong, sir. Wrong. Like,
1: well, I can still hear that. So it still seems like I'm connected via my... <laughs> so, wow. But I'm having one of my... UPS things is making a very loud sound, and it's not – I don't like it. It's very annoying. Anyway, so my monitors are not on currently, so I don't know what the dealio is. Is that coming from down here? I'm just going to go ahead. Let's see. There we go. We have power again. There we go. I think it was just a power surge that made everything freak out. Do we have power? I don't know. Turn on and then it turned back off again. No, it's freaking out. Huh. Anyway, I think we're going to be calling that an end. I I need to look in to see what the heck is going on with stuff. I mean, I, I do have power. Did this power surge just completely wreck my power surge device? I don't know. That's crazy. It looks like it's generating power. Uh, I think I am going to be calling this an end for this show because it is not... The, the weather seems to be getting worse. So let's go ahead and call an end of this show. Um, you know, maybe we'll continue this topic next week. Uh, but I don't know. anyway, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but again, if you want to support the show, go to Liberal Band. Find all the places online, Liberal Band Radio on YouTube. That's probably the best way to support the show currently. So subscribe to my YouTube channel. <laughs> Make sure that I can get the number of subscribers that I need to get monetized on there. Also... Please check, uh, you know, go to, you know, buy me a coffee or Patreon Patreon. You can be Liberal Band Radio Patreon. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Band Radio. Talk to the left, That's right.